Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, film lovers and podcast listeners. Welcome to this film podcast. What we- are you supposed to say? I was trying to work to make people want to listen more at the start. Well, they're already listening. I think I think probably you sort of get on with it, isn't it? I mean, do people just dip into a podcast for the first 30 seconds and go, no, it's not for me? I do, yeah. Do you? Um, we're going to... What happens is we each review a film that we've seen, a sort of uh, brief summary, chat about it. We read some letters in the middle, yeah, and then uh, generally talk bollocks. That's what you're going to be listening to. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. You you carry on. That uh, was the contents page for the film. That is, uh, and there'll also be. We'll, we'll be holding up some glossy, exclusive photos during the podcast, but you might not be able to see those. So, the cinema. I've been went. My, I had my nephew staying. Yeah. Tried to go and take him to see a fifteen. How um, old is he? He's 16, but he looks 15. All right. You take him to films he looks like he's the age for. Yeah, it's okay. still expensive. I, th- I think the, sh- the prices for... When I was 16, I thought I was an adult. But now, looking back at 16-year-old, I think these people are children. <laughs> it should be child, child prices up until you're 18. Yeah, that'd be fair. Were you paying for him then? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like an uncle would. Yeah. That's weird. Really expensive. <laughs> um... And uh, I've even the travel cards, travelling, I'm going to moan, but on the tube, yeah. at 16, you've got to pay adult prices. Mm. But minimum wage is much less. Minimum wage for a 16-year-old is £3.72 an hour, which they get paid. So they have to pay full price cinema tickets, but they're not allowed to earn the same money. It's a disgrace. What is going on with this bloody country? Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a separate issue. So I took him, I wanted to go and see the Babadook, but for some reason... I live in Muswell Hill, which is in North London, and I'm now lucky enough to have two cinemas, which is the Crouch End Art, Art House Cinema, the Art House. which is nice, and the Muswell Hill Odeon, which uh, has got a brilliant, it's got an amazing screen one, yeah, but screen two and screen three are sort of smaller converted screens, and there's a slight bleed from the screen oh, one. I don't there. like that. Yeah. And that in the background is Buddy the Dog for non-regular listeners. Who today is a bit sleepy, if you're uh, following along (laughs) in the sticker book. Um, uh, Yeah, the Odeon in Edinburgh uh, decided, when I lived in Edinburgh, decided that their uh, screen one was far too big. And so they turned the balcony into a separate screen. But it just meant the bleed through uh, when you were sitting beneath the balcony and the other screen was really loud. Terrible. Terrible idea. Um, 
So, what did you go and see with your cousin? We nephew. Nephew, sorry. We went to see uh, Fury, the Brad Pitt uh, tank film. Yes, that's pretty much it. It's uh, in the Second World War. At the end of the Second World War, where a, a group, uh, Brad Pitt is the captain on a tank, whatever you call it, on an American tank. And his crew, I'm not using the wrong words, have been have come up all the way through North Africa, yeah. all the way through France. It's the last days of the war, and all and Germany's in disarray. Everyone's fighting, and it's still. You think it's finished, but someone's got to finish this blooming war. Yeah, and it's blooming Brad Pitt and his mates. Yeah. Now I didn't want to go see this film for one simple reason, and that's uh, Shia, Shia LaBeouf's in it. Is it Shia or Shia LaBeouf? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and he just does things to make himself look like a better, doesn't he? He's he's becoming sort of Mr. Punchable Face, isn't he? Uh, but is that purely intentional or not? Who knows? I mean, he's just... So, yes, oh. you might... It also, so the story is... Um, basically, it's... I don't really like this... Um, I can't, what's the word? It's a new a new kid comes along. Someone dies in their tank, and you follow the, the rookie, journey. The rookie, the rookie, it's that yeah. rookie story. so they can explain to the rookie what's happening at every stage. And yeah. I just think I hate that. You don't like that trope? Is it called a trope? It's a trope. Yeah, that's a trope. So I just thought I'd, I'd seen that before. It reminded me. It's very brutal and it's very bleak. It's sort of a more bleak Saving Private Ryan. Oh, okay. And if this had come out ten years ago. You would find, you know, when Saving Private Ryan came out and the scenes on the beaches, and everyone was was shocking by the, the, how graphic and the gore yes. of it, and a lot of veterans said they couldn't watch it because it was so accurate portrayal of what happened on the actual day. I think it's like that. It's just a no. The old remember the old war, black and white war films where you wouldn't really see the deaths; it'd just be like a German falling over and dying, yeah, and it would be quite romanticised. Would be it's basically filmed theatre, yeah. It? It's a brutal side with really some horrific sort of explosions and bits of meat flying everywhere. So if you don't really like gory, brutal films, I'd stay away from this. Is it? I was surprised because I was looking at IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, and it's been reviewed really highly, and apparently it's done quite well at the box office. Mm. I'm quite surprised. I think it's just a slightly less charming Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Um, but the, the combination of Brad, Brad Pitt's face and a tank seems to be enough for people well, to Sheila give it a go. He's actually very good in it and he's not annoying. Is he? Okay. Which is surprising. It's got Michael Penner in it, who's um, in the. Uh, uh, he was in that police film. <coughs> I love that film. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit poorly today, so I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> He was hey, in uh, let me, Gangster let me. Squad. What's the one he did with the... Um... Oh, God. Well, there's two police officers, and it's him and Jake Gyllenhaal. End of Watch, which is oh, a quite interesting that. Uh, that film. Good? He's an Eastbounder down as well. He's, he's, oh, he just yes. Played, he's, he's a, he's he's a go-to a Mexican guy. Mexican-looking chap. Handsome yeah. Mexican man. Uh, Logan Lerman's in it as well, isn't he? Logan Lerman, he plays the uh, young rookie kid with a sort of... Uh, um, you know, pretty boy yeah. face, who uh, becomes a man during this, presumably, uh, like we all do during war. Yeah, I felt like I hope my nephew became more of a man watching the film or watching you watch it. He's watching got, oh, me, this is how an adult watches a film. I bought some popcorn for him. It's one of those films you think I feel quite guilty eating popcorn while blood people were getting blown. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ooh, it was too, hard for them in the war, too, wasn't it? Too much salted in this and not enough sweet. 
Um, there are some brilliant scenes in there, and I suppose it's got that. It's unique in the fact it's a, a tank film. So if you liked, um, is it very claustrophobic? Because that the idea they get. No, it's not got the claustrophobia of Das Boot. Das Boot, which is, which is uh, amazing. Yes, it's not as great as that. And I don't think it really handles a claustrophobia. And this, you know, you, well, I suppose you can, if there's no enemies around, you can get out of your tank, can't you? I mean, sit on the top, maybe have a cigarette. If you've been to the Imperial War Museum and, actually seen the, and gone inside the, seen inside the tanks, it's actually terrifying how yeah, horrific it is. It is. Yeah. And I've I read stories about um, so war veterans and when, because of the explosions would echo and the bullet, the noise, the lot of them would have ear problems in their ears. They got hit by. You're well, you're basically tank. sitting in a massive bin, yeah. aren't you? If, and if it you... gets hit by a, a huge explosion. You have huge... Eardrum issues. Yeah. yeah. T- uh, tinnitus all the time. And there wasn't any reference to that, and I thought that would be one of the main things. So I read lots of accounts. I can't remember what I was doing some sort of... When I was doing my degree, I did some sort of war... Uh, things written by war veterans and read loads of stories. Right. And a lot of them would say, that in these stories, they recount the fact that they... Tinnitus. Well, they used that in Saving Private Ryan in the, yeah. the, uh, the beach scene, didn't they? I don't famously. think it really had that effect. You can't when you're na- near an explosion. Yeah. You can't hear what's going on. You're like, yeah. well, it's actually been done a lot since Saving Private Ryan. As um, I think the Hurt Locker does it as well, and yes, because it's accurate, but it's also uh, dramatic. So yeah. maybe they just didn't want to repeat a trope that has become quite common now. But um, yeah, you know, Brad Pitt's bought the tank himself. Why to have in his garden? Because he got to know it so well. I think they were, they were really good friends, Sheila Booth and um, Brad Pitt, and I read as well. I heard Sheila Booth uh, got so into character that he refused to wash, um, and that pissed off some of the other actors. What a bell end. Yeah, I mean, they, I just keep hearing these stories. I mean, do you, do you go, what, I go and watch this film? It's, it's got an odd scene. It's got a few odd scenes where you've got the quiet moments where they try and be civilised again. Yeah. The acting's very good. I didn't particularly... I'm going to go back to the old thing I was banging on about. I didn't particularly like any of the characters. I didn't warm to them. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to be about how war changes your values and changes the man psychologically. So you're no longer someone who... Your appreciation of life and death has gone. Your your changed your whole, whole value system. So it's a positive thing, yeah? It's how war is a positive thing. Yeah, and it, but it's... I don't think that's it's true. It's good in some ways, but it's, it's, it's cliched in other ways and... You almost know what's going to happen, the outcome yeah. of the film. Because I've read some uh, war veterans' sort of uh, comments on it. Oh, did you? What did they say? They, I, I only briefly skimmed it because then I stopped because I didn't want to spoil the film if I went to see it, you know. But it, uh, the general gist seemed to be, you know, it is very accurate what it was like, but it, this still doesn't really get close to the actual horrors of war. <coughs> yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, you will always be watching an entertainment. I mean, what what's uh, people's accounts of war over the centuries? It seems to be you know soldiers, hundred year on hundred years, is mostly the monotony and boredom of it. Of it's just nothing, 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 and then suddenly all your friends die, and then you have to try and cope with that whilst you don't know when the next thing will happen. Yeah. And it's a huge psychological battle. More than anything else. I mean, in a, a lot of ways, you know, Blackadder Goes Forth probably came closest to that in terms of the actual pattern of it. Yeah, I mean, that was the most, um, that, I mean, that was, you could say that end of Blackadder Goes Forth because you knew all the characters and you knew their backstory. It's a simple thing about going over the top was so horrific and so moving. Yes, and there's, there's no will they win, you know. It's yeah. just, no, this is lunacy. Yeah. Uh, I, d- I didn't especially, but I didn't, 
I didn't especially enjoy it. I, I thought it was done well. It was and it was shot well. It was brutal. Had a sort of certain feel to it. But as as a piece of entertainment, I didn't walk away thinking I've really learnt something. How was Brad Pitt in it? He was all right because he's not. I found him recently to have the sort of swagger of a man who shouldn't really be there. Has perhaps paid for this, or has perhaps been brought in because he's box office rather than he's right for the role. I thought his role in uh, Twelve Years a Slave, which he was a producer on, and he plays the hero who saves him. At the, I found it weirdly disconnected to the actual piece. Um, <coughs> he looks quite odd now because he's lost his good looks. He looks a bit like a Mormon, sort of odd. Yeah, you know, he's got. He's sort of changing into an old man, so he's going for an odd phase. He must be about 50, though. But um, if you want to see an original war film, which Brad Pitt is amazing in, watch Glorious Bastards, which I love. Mm. Because he's almost playing that. It almost suits his style of not being the greatest actor, but being able to do comedy. Yeah, but I think that I really like Inglorious Bastards, but I do think that his bits are actually the weakest part of the oh, film. I love some bits of it. Really? It's almost playing on the fact when they... Not because of him, it's that bit of the story I feel is the weakest part of the story. Oh, I love the bit, I'm sorry to spoil it here if you haven't seen Glorious Bastards, when they're all posing as Italian film directors. And they're <laughs> you trying, love that bit. They're trying to act like they're Italian, they can't... I always... It's always the play on the fact that Brad Pitt couldn't do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, but I... Yeah... No, it works. It does work, and I really like it. But I almost feel sorry for the poor French actress who is doing fantastic work making this emotionally real. And then there's the Yanks downstairs in the lobby doing some kind of Inspector Clouseau routine. Like it's, uh, it works weirdly, but I don't know why it works. Because it's just brilliant scenes. It's yeah. a compilation of brilliant scenes. That's it. it. You don't stop enjoying it, so it doesn't matter. And yeah. interesting stories. This, that's a. I think the fundamental flaw in this is you just know. It's a, a group of people in a tank going towards... There's going to be some climax at the end. Yeah. You sort of know what's going to happen. Right. There's no challenge. There's no bit where you think, oh... And I'm it's not based on a true story. And it, that's the thing. It hasn't even got that back I mean, there yet. must be so many good true stories. Yeah. I thought, I thought this must be based on a true story because the story's not that interesting. Well, the success of, uh, some could argue, the first big budget uh, HBO style, because it is now a genre... Um, TV series was Band of Brothers, uh, which had enormous cast, huge budget, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks financing it. And because it was based on a true story, you never knew which characters would survive. They weren't going to survive because they were the principal characters. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a it was based on real life. And that made it exciting again. But it sounds like they've gone back to the old formula of, well, the rookie hero is learning and there's his mentor, so he'll probably die at the end of Act 2. And then, you know, all of that stuff. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. But I, I mean, his friend I, you will don't really, die you don't at the really end of Act 2. Do. And then he'll have to step up to become the adult. And, you know... We've seen it, right? I think there's no need to go and watch this film. Okay, okay. Do they save a cat at any point? No saving cat, but I think there's some interesting... Did they kill a dog? I think lots of things got killed, and I'm sure there's a dog (laughs) in the background somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'll give it seven Marrix purely because it was made really well, and I think there's a a couple of really uh, new sort of tank fighting scenes which are quite entertaining. Oh, that's... Oh, well, now you put my interest right yeah. in there. New tanks. Well, just, you don't normally see tank fights, good tank fights in... They're quite slow, aren't they? But this is really good. One good fights on a tank, 
Like uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's no, a good fight tanks, on a tank. Tanks against tanks. Tanks fight. <laughs> no, that does sound good. If you like a bit of tanks against tanks. I love a bit of tanks against tanks. There should have been more it's of that. It's very tense. There should have been more of that, yeah. Um, okay. Well, it's, it, I tell you what, what, this isn't just about what we think about films, it's about what other people are sparse global <laughs> listeners. Yes. Uh, three in each continent, I think we're up to. How. If I'm listening now, yes, I'm still. I've got through this first bit. Well done, and I and I want to contribute somehow by writing. Well, dear listener, you can write to us. Uh, well, email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail dot com, and then maybe if you're lucky or uh, we remember, we'll read your letter out as we're about to with these things. Or if you want to just talk to one another, you can go to facebook.com forward slash filmfandango and uh, post things you think people might want to see. Or tweet us at filmfandango or at Mr. David Reed or at Marek Larwood. Um, I've got to Oh, he's asked me to read this out. In a, he said uh, if I read this out in, in a terrible Jamaican accent. I'm probably not that far off. Oh, boy. Sorry, okay. We've got Jimmy. Cool Runnings. That's it. That's how you get into it. You say cool. I saw that film twice in the cinema. I saw it in the cinema and I didn't really want to. I enjoyed it, but then uh, as a surprise treat for our class because we'd been so good all year, two days later, our tutor took us to see Cool Runnings. Uh, and it was the only treat they ever gave us. And as a result, it's been on television every yeah. third day for the past time. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. Hear, hear, hear the letter now. Dear Mark David and Buddy, my name is Miguel Conago and I'm writing to you from an island in the Caribbean. It don't matter which one, they is all terrible for watching movies. <laughs> I've decided to start a Twitter account to review films. I'm going a bit weird now. It's alright. At One Frame Reviews. At One Frame Reviews and the one is a one. Okay. It exactly as it sound. I take one frame from the film, post the image and give it rating out of ten. I'm not reviewing the film, just the frame. It's pointless, but no on internet, no on the internet it may catch on. Currently the only person who follows me is Davis Vecchio. You may know him as the man who assaults Chloe Grace Moretz in a toilet in the film, Hick. I would appreciate if, as well as reading this out, you could let me know which film you would both like like, like me to review. <laughs> it's going well. Yeah. In one frame. <laughs> and is there a film which has a perfect frame? Your insight is always exceptional. I think he's probably talking about another podcast. Now, the first time I read this, I, I thought it was something else. You thought it was uh, one frame of a movie as a review of the whole film. I think it, that's a better idea. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should do that instead. I like to do that. I really like your idea. If you look on it, he's taken some um, on one frame reviews on Twitter. Uh, I think some stuff from Howard the Duck and uh, some other films on there. But surely, one frame to review the whole film would be a really good idea. So, you know, a really jubilant uh, Nicolas Cage, if you really like the film, or him weeping, if you really don't. Oh, I thought it'd be... So I was thinking of this. If I could take one frame from a film... Yes. And that would be sum up the whole film. Okay, okay. So, uh, if I gave you The Godfather, uh, what, what, what would you conjure up to sum up the whole film? It would have to be... Um... <coughs> a toilet cistern with a gun behind it, right? 
It's all, it's really hard because they normally pick it. For, they pick it for the poster. Yeah. And I think it's the it, uh, Michael Corleone staring into distances. That moment, mm. and he's so his face was so brilliant. Him just looking and realizing what uh, he has to do. I, I think perfect frames from films. I think the only one I could think of was Alien Three. Of Does spoilers, of Ripley jumping off as the alien bursts out yeah, of yeah, her yeah. stomach. And that must be sum up the whole. There's a, the amazing thing that Steven Soderbergh did on a blog, which was uh, present. Uh, he posted uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in black and white with the music taken off, for the purpose of seeing the frames as photographs. It, you know, it, you're not distracted by the color so much, or what, or what the music is doing okay. to you, because the music is so you know affecting, um, and you realise how every single shot is so well composed. It is telling the story. You don't need a single line of dialogue to know exactly what is happening between every character and what is going on. And it's it's well worth googling to find it because it's fascinating in terms of you don't need you don't need the back and forth between uh, Satipo and Indy because you you get what's happening just with the choreography. Um and the same with Belloc and everyone else. and it's all it's all it's like a it, it's you know, it's visual storytelling. And then the music and the dialogue just add more on yeah. top of that. And so many films aren't like that. If you watched it, you would get bored if you didn't have the music go... You know, this guy, I don't know what's happening. I, I watched it in Blade Runner again the other day. I was just amazed. And I watched... Um, I actually watched Aliens, which is not really Scott. It's um, John James, uh, James it's, Cameron. Yeah. But um, in Blade Runner... All the shots are so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was Ridley Scott. I mean, what would you have? From, what would you have from from? There's so many. Sh- I would from, have uh, maybe Rudger Hauer in the, the rain road. holding a dove. Yeah, I would, might have that one. I quite like him in the rain eating his noodles at the start. Yeah. Well, that's that's sort of the image that's been copied in every dystopian sci-fi since yeah. then, isn't it? What, other, what frames would you have of a uh, see Jaws? Would you have? Brody shooting the gun or would you have him on the beach with the binoculars looking oh the anticipation yeah or uh, Quint's face is looking sort of furious my god what's he seen it's hard to get one frame because they've often been picked like a psycho you think they have that's the iconic frame picture isn't it is that the right one I like this because Psycho is quite interesting because it's all about the Janet Janet Lee gets uh, and there are spoilers here but I'm assuming uh, we've all seen this it's been talked about enough, and there's only two even say spoilers. Uh, everyone talks about Janet Lee and her being killed off in the first bit. Yes. And the whole great detective bit, and his when the sister comes up, that's not really ever mentioned, is it? No. And I always think the bit when he's walking up the stairs, it's quite yeah. oddly uh, terrifying. Or it's the um, the figure in the window, maybe for Psycho. Yeah. The rocking chair figure. Or I might even have. Isn't he got that stuffed when he's at the reception? Talking to Janet Lee, and you've got that stuffed is it a stuffed owl or something in the background, or a stuffed God. bird? You have to remember, I've only seen the remake, so. Uh... Oh, you haven't seen it! I can't believe I can't believe this. You must I address this. I have seen this. the shot for shot remake though, so I can't. You talk must about address it. this. Oh, really missing out. I will see it. It's, it's you know the two the two black and white films I think on the top of my to do list are Psycho and Vertigo, because I've not seen either of them. Um, Vertigo's not um, black and white. Is it not? No. I've only seen the uh, the uh, DVD that's uh, not, cover. That's not my uh, favourite. 
It was it was for a while making it to the number one slot in the top one hundred films in certain lists. Really? Yeah, yeah. For a brief period, it beat. Um, I, I think in the states actually, it beat the third man. You know, and Citizen Kane up there. Frenzy. You must watch Frenzy. For yeah, you've said Frenzy. I love it. I would watch it. So uh, let's talk about what is one frame thing. Let's talk about some films like The Untouchables. What frame would you use? Would it be from the staircase? What frame would you review? What, about- what no? What frame would you would some? We're changing this. I'm sorry, uh, Miguel. What are what frame sums up the whole film? Uh, the stairs. It's got to be the stair scene, right? Yeah. What, With what the the pram on the stairs. Yeah. Or maybe that shot where. Uh, Al Capone's just bludgeoned the guy with a baseball bat. You oh, see, it's God, yeah, across yeah. there. It's a fun game, it's a fun and you game. can play it at home for. Uh, if you've got friends, you can play it with them, or you can just talk to yourself, which is what we'll all be doing in the future. Make little model Maricks and Davids out of your own hair and feces, and just talk to them. Well, the great thing about making a model of me is you don't need hair, you can just use feces. <laughs> that is a great thing. In fact, you don't need, need to do anything to your feces. Yeah. Just set us up on the other side of the room, and uh, just <laughs> set the podcast going, and you can imagine we're there with you. And I will leave a space now for, here's, you can talk about your frame um, that you'd like to uh, uh, use right now. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Ah, good. Mm, I'm not sure. Yes, we don't like you anymore. There we go, so very interactive. There you go. Um, you're all gonna, It's Halloween, isn't it? It is Halloween, I suppose. Um, I tried to go and see the Babadook. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and well, it, we, we talked briefly about seeing horror films, but uh, as Marek's explained, the Babadook uh, we've not been able to see. I, I do want to go see it, though, so maybe for a future podcast, I don't know. Um... It looks interesting anyway, people. If you don't know about The Babadook, it's an Australian horror film that people have been saying is very good but hasn't got a full general release for some reason, presumably because mm. it's a small indie or something. But um, we will catch it. If you've seen it, do email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com and let us know if it's any good. Um, so I caught up with on I caught up with a film that I've wanted to see for a while just because it, it seemed oh, intriguing. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is a film called The Mist. Uh, I've seen this film. You've seen it, the one where they're in a shopping. Isn't mall it written by and... the same bloke who wrote Shawshank Redemption? Uh, yes, Stephen King. <coughs> no, directed by the same bloke. Something. Well, this is interesting. Yes, it is. Um, it's directed by the guy who did both Shawshank and The Green Mile. Frank Darabont. What was his name? Uh, it, his name is um, Frank Darabont. Darabont. Um, he seems to only do Stephen King adaptations. I mean, the Green Mile is basically trying to be the short redemption, but a bit more. It's, but it's Stephen King is, again. Um, but this is based on a Stephen King novel, and it's about um, a mist that comes down from the mountains one day and just fills a town, and uh, people are stuck in uh, a supermarket, basically, um, with the big glass-fronted windows, and they don't know what to do, and then somebody covered in blood comes into the supermarket saying there are things in the mist they took him they took him it's a bit like very if you know HP Lovecraft it's very like Cthulhu-ish yeah it? it's, it's got sort all of all the monsters are the same sort of design aren't they really? well they're, they're, there's there's a not to spoiler it too much but there's not just one thing in the mist um, but I I actually it, it it knows what it is this film and and I'm I'm glad I saw it. It's got an ensemble cast that's quite fun. If you like movies, so Toby Davis is in this, who's great. I really like him. Um, he Toby Jones, sorry Toby Jones, um, and 
uh, uh, William Sadler, who is um, fun in lots of different things, but he I have great affection for him from being the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Um, uh, and he plays a sort of crazy hick in this. But um, And then the lead is played by Thomas Jane, who was the Punisher in the god-awful Punisher film and then fell out with them and didn't get cast in the sequel. Um, I, I watched this years and years ago. Yeah. And I've got my, my IMDb rating for it. I've given it a two. Really? I remember I thought it was terrible. I thought it was a terrible B-movie. And I thought it was no, really I think, poorly No, I think done. it's a fun Stephen King movie, is exactly but what it is. But with one of the most horrifying endings to a the film. The ending is absolutely seems, grim. Which seems so out of context. The film. And I agree with you. I think it does. I don't want to spoil the ending for people, but I do think it does. And that was the one... Uh, uh, point that the director said if you don't let me keep the ending I've thought of then I'm not going to do it and so they said yes okay that was the, his one sticking point he was going this is this is what we should do and Stephen King said yeah I wish I'd thought of it for the novel originally but the ending was it feels like a it's mi- movie it's half comic I but no it's, it becomes a monster movie but what's I think what is fun about it is uh, it knows what it is in that the main character he knows it's rubbish no it doesn't the main character uh, his job at the beginning is he paints movie posters that's his for a living like the properly hand painted ones rather than you know just photoshop ones and um, on his wall of his portfolio of work is the poster for the thing right at the beginning almost I think it's the first shot so it knows its heritage like John Carpenter's the thing is is sort of the best crazy monster that is lots of different things but it's stalking I, these people I watched um, the thing I'll talk about that John. yeah um, and also there are there are huge similarities between this and John Carpenter's The Fog which I think was sort of based on Stephen King's novel anyway but um, no, it, I, I really enjoyed it the end I thought was just like ah, no, whatever but once it got into its whole monsters thing and the uh the greater threat being human beings who are afraid. Like, they become almost more terrifying than the monsters. I really like that whole storytelling. So they're bit. stuck in the mall and they're trying to get out to their cars, but they can't because they're even getting killed by monsters. Yes. And some monsters come into the mall as well. Don't they? Well, the, 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 apparently the whole inspiration for the story itself was when Stephen King was in a supermarket and saw that the entire front of the building was made of glass. And he was like, what if you had to defend yourself in here what would you do because it's just all glass and it's that that's the basis of the fear so the mist is just so you can't see it coming so all people designing your trendy modern houses that are all made of glass yeah when Cthulhu rises and the demons come your house is gonna it may look nice for a nice sunny day did 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 the three little pigs teach you nothing yes exactamondo yeah uh, no glass houses, no chimneys. Yeah, that's what it's about. Um, no, I did. I did enjoy this film. It is a B movie. That's it. You're exactly right. That is exactly what it is. And it's. Uh, but I thought it was a really fun one. Um, and I, I, th- I thought it was genuinely tense as well. It, it's. It's. If you like schlocky horror films, then it, this is this is one of the better ones. I think. It's not a genre changer. You know. It's. You know. Like. The likes of The Shining or Halloween, which have been influenced so many other things, but I, I do think this is a good one. It's certainly better than Silent Hill or any of these sort of. Yeah, I, I got, it got recommended to me ages and ages ago, maybe, but well, because it was two thousand and seven, it came out quite a while ago. Yeah, 
I think I thought it was real rubbish. <laughs> Are you a horror fan though? Yeah, well, I, 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 good films. I don't think necessarily. Um, that's a whole horror genre. I think that when you start talking about it as just going through the motions of a horror film, it's boring. Like the thing, for example, my nephew came as I talked about came to stay. Yes, and he's got a Netflix. So I'm sort of telling him all these great films you can watch. Yeah, yeah. So I've been taping as my career is going down here. I've become increasingly poor. I started. Just recording all the classics off um, on film four and seeing what's on beforehand, right. and then taping them all. Um, so what the thing was on, so I recorded that. And I said, "Well, you've got." I said, "Have you seen the thing?" He said, "I've seen the first bit." So we got to watch the thing. So we watched the thing um, when we came back from watching Fury. And what did he think? He thought it was brilliant. And you know what? It stands up. Oh, it's and he fantastic. Said, and he said, as a, as a sixteen year old, when was this made? The special effects in this are much better than special effects now. Because he, you know, he's been. Well, he won't have seen much stop motion animation. And he was amazing. So. And, and it just stands up as a film. It's that's interesting, actually. It's so tense. Kids brought up on CG. Yeah. Whether stop motion stuff that's actually there will feel more visceral to them now that they've been so oversaturated with the yeah swishy computer. But I just think it's the way that you cannot replicate the way that light hits something. Yeah. And putting in, the technology is not there yet, and even we talked about Dawn of the Planet of the X, where something looked amazing, but it's still computer graphic. Yeah. Well, the, even this the thing the, in the, 1982. The, I'm talking about the 1982 Kurt yeah. Russell thing. Yes. The, so re, the remake before the remake yeah. of that remake. So it's 32 years old, yeah, and it's yeah. still better. Then it's incredible the stuff in that film. But there, there is something. I mean, we we just sound like old people banging on about it. There are CG. Uh, Augmented films that are good. I, I'm, I'm going to put that out there. But I mean, I've got a soft spot for old practical effects yeah. because I love films, and I don't think anyone who loves films can't cannot you know look at Jason and the Argonauts, the you know Ray Harryhausen stuff, and not love those skeletons. I think that is sort of part of why we love it. But the idea of casting an actor who doesn't have a hand just so that you can at some point in the movie have his hand bitten off by an animated rib cage. Yeah, yeah. And there are things that an animator wouldn't think to do in the ripping of the cloth and everything from that. You've just done it. And that that is it. There are no accidents in a CG-created environment. Yeah. You know, they, there's no shots in Pixar where they go... Oh, we lucked out there, didn't we? With that perfect, mm. that perfect change of the sunlight at that point when that person walks out, because it's all controllable. But the um, thing, I think, the thing is one of the perfect movies. It's in my top. I think plot-wise, it's so tight. Yeah, and there's always something different happening. And it's, it's a bottle episode, but you've got. It, I, what do you I, think? Stood up, what stood do up. you think is the truth of it, it at the end? Because it's got the uh, it's got the ambiguous, as lots of people say, but John Carpenter says it isn't ambiguous at all. But the ambiguous ending with the two of them there. I think it's spoiled. Uh, Is it spoiled? I mean, have, it's it's thirty two years old. Are we not allowed? We're to... spoiled it here because if you haven't watched the thing and okay. we're spoiled, you must go and watch. Yeah, uh, it's a great uh, uh, Halloween film. I think he. I think they're both all right. Okay, that's not what John Carpenter thinks, but um, well, he well, he thinks that. Um, well, because McCready's... McCready clearly is breathing because you can see his breath in the, in oh, the really? cold know, yeah. very accurately and the other guy whose name I forget the character's name anyway um, there's nothing coming out of his mouth at oh, all really? and it's very intentional from John Carpenter to, to have done that and the implication is that MacReady's the only human left I just think it's a, a wonderful film yeah it is great it is great 
the mist is not the thing. That's what I'm saying. The thing, you know, did things we've not seen before. Just watch the thing twice rather than... But if you're looking for a new film, a new horror film for Halloween, then The Mist's all right, is what I'm saying. Okay. And it's got some great performances in it. I like the people in it. So there we go. That's about it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, if you want to donate to help us make this podcast, it's really appreciated. You can do so on the website. Yeah, Dear Film Fandango. No, that's completely wrong. Uh, filmfandango.co.uk um, and follow the link from there and to everyone who's donated thank, thank you very, very much. much and what should we just say happy Halloween keep watching the films <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.